Warning, the Not Real Art Podcast is intended for creative audiences only. The Not Real Art Podcast celebrates creativity and creative culture worldwide. It contains material that is fresh, fun and inspiring and is not suitable for boring old art snobs. Now, let's get started and enjoy the show. Greetings and salutations, my creative brothers and sisters. Welcome to Not Real Art, the podcast where we talk to the world's most creative people. I am your host, faithful, trusty, loyal, tireless host, Sourdough, coming at you from Crew West Studio in Los Angeles. How are you, people? How are things? Thanks for coming through. Thanks for showing up. We do this for you. It's all about you. If you weren't here, well, then I would just be, you know, sad, alone, talking into a microphone, and that's just not fun. So thank you for making it fun. Before we get into this special Halloween episode of yet another art world horror story, when bad things happen to good artists, I want to encourage you to go to notrealart.com and check out all the good, healthy stuff we got for you. Lots of amazing content, including the series remote by the one and only Badir McCleary, who is producing a video series of stories exploring public art in spaces around the world. And it's a wonderful series remote. So be sure to check it out. Available exclusively on notrealart.com. Okay. Today, yet again, it's the Halloween season. Trick or treat. Hope you guys got your costumes all ready, ready to go trick or treating. I have another Halloween special episode for you, the Art World Horror Stories. And today we have longtime friend of the show, longtime colleague, the one and only man one, multi-award winning artist, illustrator, curator, and entrepreneur from Los Angeles. And, you know, man one CV is very long. I could read it, but here are the highlights. Man one believes in the transformational power of art and and its power to save lives and make the world a better place. He's had multiple shows all over the world, both one-man shows and group shows. He has worked for big brands and big companies like Coca-Cola and MTV. And as you'll hear in this story, the CDC, the federal government, likes to tap Man One and send him to places like Panama and Nepal to work with artists around the world representing the United States of America. So man's client list is very interesting to say the least. He's in museums, he's got collectors all over the world. And I mean, he's been on TV, he's published books, you know, he's a father, he's a husband. He's just a multidimensional artist, multidimensional human. Could have played pro soccer, but decided to go into art. So, and he says he doesn't regret that. So that's, that's exciting. But Man One is coming on today to talk about his art world horror story from years back with his client, the CDC, Centers for Disease Control Federal Agency. And this story is one of those horror stories that just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. (laughs) And I laugh because if you don't laugh, you'd cry. And I think Man One found a way to laugh at it, but it is one of those stories that artists bump into sometimes with clients. And like I said, this is all about when bad things happen to good artists, and Man One is one of the best artists out there, I think. And even he can fall victim to crazy clients or crazy market dynamics. And so today he's coming on to share this rather poignant personal horror stories. So here we go. Thanks again for coming. And without further ado, let's cue the music and hear from the one and only. And when I say music, I mean the art world horror story theme music and hear from the one and only man one. Our darkness falls as chills abound. 
Just when you felt all safe and sound, his heart is losing their bloody minds as their hard work turns on evil eyes. Tis worse than nightmares, tis worse than fears, as artists cry horrific tears. Welcome to Art World Horror Stories. <laughs> Man one, welcome to Art World Horror Stories. Oh man, thank you. I'm here sitting in the dark, scared, ready to tell my story. <laughs> well, you know the deal. I mean, Art World Horror Stories aims to tell stories about when bad things happen to good artists. And you're a very good artist. And in fact, you've been in the game a long time. So I'm guessing you have lots of horror stories. Unfortunately, I have a lot of horror stories. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> Some scarier than others. <laughs> but you've yeah. come on today to share one particular horror story with us. And, you know, the intent here, for those listening who may not know, I mean, the intent here is to share these art world horror stories so that, you know, artists can learn. We can all learn from these horrific events. Sometimes these things are self inflicted. We make a bad choice, something that we do boomerangs on us and has some negative consequence. Sometimes things are done to us. Galleries don't pay us or artwork gets shipped uh, damaged, you know, arrives damaged in shipping. I mean, any number of things, job site accidents. I mean, one of our art world horror stories this year was shared with us by Amanda Lynn, who had a horrible accident falling off a 12 foot scaffolding and shattering her pelvis. So hopefully you didn't shatter your pelvis in this story, but clearly something horrible happened. What art world horror story do you have for us today, Mad One? So this is an interesting horror story because it took place around a project that was nothing but positive. I mean, this was like, if you looked at this project on paper, what a beautiful project. I mean, it was like such a good positive thing for the community and, and for kids and everything. And it turned out to be one of my worst projects. <laughs> Too of, good to be true. <laughs> in terms of how it played out. You should have seen this coming. It looks so good. So perfect. Too perfect, in it, fact. It was too perfect. It was too good to be true. So I'll jump into it. So early 2000s, I think it was. And I got approached by a publicist, a big agency, to do a project with the Centers for Disease Control. And they had a nice budget, of course. AKA the CDC. Is that what the they CDC. call it? CDC. The okay. CDC. That sounds yeah. that sounds yeah. official. That sounds important. Yeah. So I'm being hired by a government agency to okay. do a mural program. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. You know, like this is great. You know, like they came to me with a nice budget and they want to do this project. And it was called Verb What You Do or something. It was it was something about kids and movement, right? Okay. So the whole idea was let's get kids moving. Let's get them, you know, running around and playing sports and swimming and just doing exercise, positive things, you know, great stuff, right? Like let's, let's work with, with schools and kids and get them active so that, so that they lead successful lives and grow up to be healthy adults. So I'm all on board. This is perfect. That, like, that, this yeah. is perfect. This is why we do what we do for the kids. Yeah. So man one is for the children's. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I take it on. I'm like, great. Let's. What do we got to do? And they say, well, we want you to do a the largest mural possible within this budget. We want it to be highly visible, and it could be anywhere in LA County. So I'm like, perfect. At the time, I was working with the mural program in Long Beach, the city of Long Beach, and I said, you know what? It's going to be great because they have a lot of big walls. I know everyone in the city, you know, my friend Heather over there was running the program and she's lovely and she's going to totally help me get a wall. Like this would be super easy. So I go to Long Beach and I drive around and I see this huge wall off the riverbed, right where two freeways intersect. So two different freeways can see this huge wall perfectly, you know, and it's right on the, on the, on the river. People walk and ride bikes along the river. So it's perfect. It's like, oh, this is it. This is the wall. High visibility. Like high visibility. 
potentially millions of people as they drive by, certainly thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people driving by are going to see this mural Absolutely. over <laughs> the course of the weeks and months that it's there. Right. High visibility. High visibility. So I'm like, this is it. This is the wall. So I contacted my, my friends at the city and they're like, yeah, that's cool. We'll give you all the permission you need. You can do it. No problem. The only issue is you just got to get the people who live behind the wall to sign off on it because technically it's their wall, even though it's not facing their property, it's the backside of their property, but you have to go get permission from them. And as long as you get permission from them, we'll give you all the permits you need from the city and you're good to go. So I was like, awesome. So I pitched it to the CDC. They loved it. They said, this is perfect. Let's move forward. Mind you, here's the, the parameters of this project. So they're going to hire me to do a mural that's going to be up for only 30 days. At the end of 30 days, the community can decide to keep the mural or I'll remove it myself. So there's no problem. Like if you don't like the mural, the community is not into it, which I was like, how could they be against it? It's going to be about kids. It's and- about the kids and health. Like let's get our kids healthy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and by the way, it's only up for 30 days. Like this is a one month promotion. Exactly. Right. So I'm like, there's no downside, right? So I said, okay. So then we go find out who owns the wall. And it turns out that it's these people that live, uh, it's a community, a gated community, and they're up on the hill. So that's already like, okay. Oh boy. The, the red, red flags are already right. starting to fly. The red flag <laughs> is already starting, right? And so we get their information and we call the president of the HOA and say, hey, we're trying to do this. He's like, well, uh, we can't do anything unless you present it at a meeting. So we're having a meeting in a couple of weeks. If you want to come to the meeting, present your idea, and we'll let you know. I'm like, okay, well, that's fair. All right, cool. So at the time I had an agent and she was like, let me lead the meeting, you know? And I'm like, yeah, it's perfect. You know, I mean, I'd, I'd rather let a middle-aged white lady lead the meeting than me at this particular I'm guessing there were a lot of middle-aged white ladies in this meeting. So you're like, okay, my agent will be very relatable. Exactly. That's what I figured, right? So we go to this meeting and it's packed. I mean, everyone's there, right? <laughs> and it's a sea of whiteness in the, <laughs> the, in, white in the crowd, <laughs> right? But you know, they introduced me, said he's got a project. He wants to pitch to us, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So my agent goes up there and starts talking about it and, you know, introduces the project and what we're doing and... At the time, I didn't have a full rendering of the mural, but I had some ideas. And so we're just talking about like, I'm going to have, you know, kids running and riding bikes and blah, 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 blah. And so we're doing the pitch. And as she's doing the pitch, you start hearing people kind of talking and like murmuring. And I'm like, okay, this is not good. (laughs) Then she finishes the pitch. Because murmurs are not oohs and ahs. If, if it had been like, ooh, right, ah, right, you would have, right. you would have like, okay, this is going well. But the murmuring is like the first sign that maybe this is going to be a problem. It's like under the breath, people leaning over, talking into each other's ears. So anyway, so she finishes the pitch. We say, is there any questions? And one lady <laughs> goes, so I don't like this idea. This, I don't like this. I don't, I don't, I don't like it at all. And then my agent's like, why, why, what's, what's the issue? She goes, well, this is going to attract a lot of Asian kids into our community and we don't want Asian kids here in our community. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my and I was God. Like, I was like, did she just say exactly what I just heard? <laughs> you know? And, and as I'm looking at her, two people away from her is like an older Japanese guy. <laughs> He's nodding his head. He's, he's, nodding his head. <laughs> he's agreeing with her. He's agreeing with her. And I'm like, what is going on? Right. And then I look around and people start backing her up. Yeah. All these kids from the high school are going to come over here and, and, you know, we don't want them in our neighborhood. And then we're like, no, no, no. This is going to be on the river side. Like you will never see them because the mural is on the back side of your property. The entrance of your property is on the complete opposite side of where the wall is going to be. And you can't access that location unless you're walking in the river, on the river path, or if you're on the freeway. And oh, by the way, you live in a gated community. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so they start, no, 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 we don't want this. So then more people started getting, no, we don't want it. We don't like it. It's a terrible idea, you know, blah, 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 whatever. 
So then we're looking at each other and we're like, oh, okay, what, where do you go from here? And so we say, oh, by the way, we're going to pay you guys. You know, we're going to pay you guys. And they start laughing. They're like, what are you guys going to pay us? And we're like, we have like a $2,500. They start cracking up, $2,500. I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what, what else to say. So then we're trying to like save the, <laughs> the you know, the... Right the ship, yeah. Yeah, and we, and we don't know we don't know where we're going, and we just see it going off the rails. And so the guy jumps in, the president, and he's like, well, let's take a vote. If you say yes to this, raise your hand. No one raised their hands. No, raise your hands. Everyone raised their hands. Unanimously, no. <laughs> they don't want this project, right? You know, and we explained to them that we're working with, there's an there's a elementary school right across the street, right? Cal State Long Beach is right two blocks down, right? And so we're explaining to them, the kids in the elementary are going to come and help paint the mural. You know, they're going to be part of it. They could care less. They care less about the elementary kids. Well, because the kids are probably Asian kids. So fuck them, yeah, right? Yeah, too many yeah. Asian kids in the elementary school. So we were just like completely shell-shocked. We were speechless because we were like, wow, we did not expect that at all, right? <laughs> so we leave because what are we going to do, right? We got voted no. So we're back to square one. So we go outside. Me and Marla, my agent at the time, and we just look at each other and we're like bewildered and like, what just happened? Like, what was that about? You know? And as we're talking, this old man walks out and he comes up to us and he goes, you know, guys, that was terrible what happened in there to you guys. That was so disrespectful and it was terrible that they didn't even hear you guys out. This sounds like such a positive project and I can't believe these people were treating you this way. And we're like, yeah, we can't either. We don't know what, what, what happened. So the old man says, well, I happen to be the president of the HOA next door, and we have a big wall, and we would love to do this project. So if you want to come pitch to our HOA, who I think is way different than this HOA, I think there's a good shot of you guys doing the project if you're interested. So we said, okay, well, let's go show us the wall you have. So we walk outside the gated community, we hang a right, and about 10 feet from the gated community's door, is a wall that starts and then it goes maybe about 70 feet and then turns the corner and goes about 100 feet down the street. So it's about almost 200 foot long wall, uh, about six feet tall. And that's part of their property, the HOA next door. And we're like, this is perfect. Yeah, this is a great wall. It's even more visible to the school. It's right across the street from the school. The kids will see it every single day. The kids driving to college will also see it. Like, yeah, let's do it. So we go pitch at their HOA and we do the same song and dance and these people love it. They're like, this is great. This is so positive. Go ahead and do it. Unanimously, they vote yes. So we're like, awesome. So obviously this is the poor HOA compared to the rich HOA. <laughs> Not that they were poor, but. Were they less white? <laughs> because they, they just, they just didn't live a on the hill. A little more diverse in that. Uh, a little bit more diverse, and maybe maybe these people owned condos instead of mansions or whatever. Right, right. So anyway, so cool. All right, let's start. We figure everything out. I get permits from the city. I get permits. I mean, the mayor's office is behind it. The CDC is behind it. The elementary school is behind it. Cal State Long Beach is behind it. The mural arts program is behind it. Awesome. So day one, we show up, we have all our gear, we have city permits, we have cones all up and down the street, and we're ready to go, show up, and guess who's there on the corner waiting for us is that president from that other HOA, the one that, that told us no. So he's standing there, and uh, we pull up, and he says, uh, you guys better not do this project or I'm going to sue you. And we're like, what? What are you talking about? He's like, yeah, we heard you're going to paint this wall on this HOA and we don't want you in our neighborhood. So uh, you guys got to leave. And we said, no, pretty sure we don't have to leave because I'm pretty sure we have, as you can see, all the no parking signs, all the permits, and you don't even own this property. This is the HOA next door to you guys. And they're like, yeah, but it's adjacent to our entrance. And I said, well, you had a choice. You could have voted for us to do it on the back end of your building, but you said no. So guess what? Now we're doing it next to your... <laughs> your entrance. And he's like, well, no, I'm going to sue you guys for sure. And I said, on what basis? He's like, oh, well, don't worry. We'll figure it out. But by the way, you can't start painting or I'm calling the cops. And I said, you know what? Can you please call the cops? So he does. He calls the cops. 
cops show up. They're like, what's going on? And the guy starts like all pissed off. And yeah, this, this guy can't be painting here and blah, 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 blah. The cop says, hey, hey, calm down, calm down. Let me talk to the artist. So he pulls me aside and he goes, what's going on? And then I said, I don't know. Here's my permit from the city of Long Beach. Here's my permit from the federal government, CDC. Here's the principal of the school. He goes, okay, okay, enough, enough. That's cool. He walks over to the guy. He says to this guy, okay, you got to get the hell out of here. And don't ever come back and bother this guy or his crew again. Okay? Because they're doing a project here and you just better be out of the way. And then he looks at me and he goes, if this guy bothers you again, you call us and we'll be here in five minutes and get this guy arrested. And then the guy is just like fuming. The guy's totally red and just pissed. And he starts telling us off and whatever as he's walking away. Fine, whatever. So we think we're done. We're like, okay, cool. You know, and this is one of those stories where it just keeps getting worse and worse. <laughs> and worse. I'm going to forewarn you. This, this horror story gets well, the, worse. <laughs> well, the best ones usually do. <laughs> so, so the guy leaves finally and he's cussing us out from his car and everything whatever. So we start the project. We start painting. First thing we do is we coat all the walls with the background colors. So, you know, you see my murals are highly colorful and bold colors. So we're finished with the background. This old lady drives up and she's like, are you the artist doing this? And then I said, yeah. And she goes, this is terrible. What you're doing here is terrible. And I said, oh, why is that? She goes, I almost had a coronary coming around the corner. And I said, oh, well, well, so it, it made you live a little, huh? So it pumped some blood in your, in your heart, right? <laughs> and she goes, well, that's not really funny. This looks horrible. I said, well, this is only the background. So just wait till we're done. She goes, no, I don't want to wait. This is terrible. I want it gone. I said, well, it's not going to be gone, except you're lucky that it's only going to be up for 30 days. And she goes, that's 30 days too much. <laughs> and she drives away. So that started the barrage of every single day, some old person from that other community would stop by, yell at us, flip us off. Mind you, on the crew, it's myself and three other artists. One is Central American, another one is Native American, another one is Asian, and then me. <laughs> so we're, we're representing pretty well. And they're driving by, calling us all kinds of stuff, all kinds of racial slurs as they drive by and they flip us off. And these are old people. I'm talking about in their 70s, 80s, and 90s. Right? <laughs> Why is an old white racist funny? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, know. I, 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 mean, I, I, I can't, know. I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's, I mean, maybe, maybe, right. Maybe just, you know, there are more old races just because racism was so popular back in their day or something. I, <laughs> I, I guess so. I don't know. They just never left that era. So this happened every day, you know, and it's, it's going to take us about a week to paint it. And then it's going to be up for 30 days. So about the third, about the third day, the really nice old man who was heading our project up with the HOA. He calls me and he says, Hey, I, I have some bad news. You know, I had to call you before you got here because I'm just really worried because I'm actually really upset and my blood pressure is boiling. Like I'm really upset. And I said, well, what happened? He says, well, this guy again, this guy from the HOA just sent us a cease and desist letter. He faxed over a cease and desist letter and he's going to sue us if we keep going on with his mural. And then I said, what's going on with this guy? And then the old man is like, just pissed. And he's like, but don't worry, you keep doing your job. He can't do nothing to us. This is not his property. This is our property. They have no rights to this. And I'll take care of it. I have my attorney call them and blah, blah, blah. You just keep going. And I said, okay, well, we'll keep going. So he's dealing with this cease and desist, which is, you know, bogus. We can't do nothing about it, whatever. It's, it's all good. So we just keep painting. Then two days later, he comes over to the wall and he says, well, I have something else for you today. <laughs> and I go, I go, what's happening? And he gives me this newsletter, right? And I look at this newsletter and it's that HOA, you know, the, on the Hill, decided to put together their first volume one newsletter. On the cover of the newsletter is a picture of my gallery, Crew West, in Alhambra. And there's a story underneath that they wrote that 
their youth from their community, I don't know how they have youth there because everyone's like 90 years old, but their youth drove all the way from Long Beach all the way to Alhambra and bought spray paint from my store and they're all underage and that's illegal. And they're going to tell the cops because I'm selling paint to underage kids. <laughs> and in the photo that they took, you could see my sign. It says closed. The gallery was closed when they were there, right? So someone went all the way down there to take a photo of my gallery just to write this stupid article, right? So then I'm like, what the hell is this, right? So it's all just saying that I own this gallery and that I'm a graffiti artist and I'm about vandalism and and I sell spray paint and now I'm selling spray paint to kids underage, and, right? And I'm like, this is, what the hell? So then I open up the newsletter. It's like a two-page newsletter. I open it up. The next page is a whole community section where people in the community, which means their neighbors in the HOA, are commenting on what this mural is doing to the community. The mural that's not even finished, by the way. We're not even a week into the mural. It's not even completed yet. And according to this newsletter, and this is a, a direct quote, the walls are making the, the community look like TJ. Oh, my God. So now our mural... Like not only is it is it making the neighborhood bad, but now it's looking like TJ, like a border town, like right. But first of all, I was like, "What's wrong with TJ? I go there all the time. <laughs> I like going to TJ." And by the way, for the listeners who may not know what TJ is, tell them what TJ is. Yeah, TJ is Tijuana, Mexico. So Tijuana is on the border, just south of San Diego. Right, and so that's an hour, two hours, hour and a half from Long Beach, right? Yeah, it's like two hours away. And so you know, obviously, what they're trying to say is that we're making the area look Mexican. Right. More racism. Yes. And more racism, right? More xenophobia. More xenophobia. And they're just, and they just, and, I, and I'm reading this newsletter. I'm like, I can't wait for volume two to come out. You know, this is volume one. I'm already, <laughs> I'm already featured on the cover and on the inside. And it was just unbelievable. Like the lengths that these people are going. And I'm like, wow, these people really, I mean, this is like another, another level of racism that I've ever experienced. I've never, you know, this is like, Next level for sure. Yeah, you know, but but that's but that's a negative take on it, man. I mean, this is democracy in action. I mean, come on. <laughs> so here's here's more democracy in action. So I'm like, whatever. I, I you know I put it away and I'm just like, whatever. I'm just gonna keep painting and I'm telling the guys, let's just get this freaking thing done and get out of here because this is just ridiculous, right? So another day passes by, and here comes homeboy again. The asshole from the hill and he comes down and shows us a piece of paper where it's saying that his house is not for sale he is now selling his property and he's giving us the flyer of his you know house being put on the market and what he's asking for it and he tells us if i'm not able to sell my house for what i'm asking i'm going to sue you for the difference because you guys have brought the property value down <laughs> and I'm like, bro, we're not even done with the mural. It's only going to be up for 30 days. He's like, I don't care. I'm selling my house. I don't want to live here no more. I'm like, awesome, dude. You're fucking rad. Get the you're, fuck you're, out. <laughs> you're, Good riddance. You know, so he's completely serious. And so he leaves and, you know, he freaking emails that same information to us just to let us know that the house is on the market and this is what he's going to do and blah, blah, We're like, wow, this is just another level of crazy. You know, I'm like, unbelievable. So we're like, okay, I don't know what else could happen, but this is pretty bad already. It can't get any worse, right? Wrong. <laughs> so. <laughs> but wait, there's more. There's more. So we finished the project. We finished the, the walls. We're done. We're like, thank goodness. You know, these freaking racist people. But meanwhile, on the positive side, the kids came out and helped us paint the mural. Uh, local newspapers and TV stations came out and interviewed us and interviewed the kids. And, and the mayor of the city came out. Beautiful. Like, it was so positive. So we finished the mural. It's all over the news that we're doing this project. We're so happy we're, that we're done and that we're out of there and we're getting the press. So I'm like, oh, finally. So the next day, like literally we finished whatever day it was. We finished like on a Thursday or something. And like the very next morning, I get a call from 
our friend at our HOA. And now he's like, his voice is trembling. And he's like, I hate to call you and tell you the bad news again. And I go, what now? He says, someone came and defaced the entire mural. <laughs> and I said, what? He goes, yeah, someone got a black spray can and put a line across the entire length of the entire mural from one end to the other. And he goes, the only good news is that the security guard at the gated community saw him do it and we know who did it. And then I said, don't tell me who did it. I don't want to know who did it because if I know who did it, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to beat their ass because I'm, I'm tired of this shit, you know? So I don't want to know, right? And he goes, no, 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 I'm going to go talk to him. We have it on camera. We have witnesses. A college student saw him do it. The security guard saw him do it. So let me know what you want to do. You want to press charges? What do you want to do? I said, you know what? Hang on. Let me call my people. So I called the agency and I'm like telling them what's going on. And I said, they just defaced the mural. We just finished it yesterday and someone already tagged it. We know who did it. I don't want to know who did it because I'm super pissed, but I have an idea of who did it. What should we do? And then she says, well, you're welcome to press charges. Just know that they need to know that now this is a federally funded project. So it's actually a federal offense, what they just did. It's not just a simple crime anymore. This is actually federal property at this moment, and it's a federal offense. I said, okay, cool. Good to know. So I called my good old man back and I say, hey, so uh, I just talked to the CDC and here's the situation. So I don't want to press charges. I'm going to go see the damage and clean it up, but let this guy know that if he does it one more time, it's a federal offense and we're going to go after him. And he says, okay, perfect. So I go back the next day. Luckily, it was an amateur tagger. <laughs> Probably in his 90s. A toy. Uh, he yeah, was a, a toy. toy. Yeah, a 90-year-old <laughs> toy. And so it was very easy to clean the line. He didn't do anything where I needed to like fix too much. So I just cleaned the line up. It took me about an hour to clean it all up. And they went and spoke to him and told him, hey, Next time you do this, or if, we, if someone else does it, we're going after you, blah, blah, blah. All right. So I'm like, this is just crazy, right? And meanwhile, the imagery, I mean, I didn't explain the imagery. There's words like swim, bike, skateboarding, soccer, right? Right. Healthy activities for kids. Healthy activities. And then they're done in cartoonish, readable letters. And then in between them, there's... A character of someone kicking a soccer ball. There's a character of someone swimming. There's a character of a skateboarder. And they're all different colors. And none of them have faces. So I didn't want to put any ethnicities on anything. Some of them are purple. Some of them are pink. Some of them are orange. You know, it's as benign as possible. <laughs> like, this is the least threatening mural that I have ever done in my life. <laughs> and I'm getting the most flack that I've ever received, you know? So um, I'm just like, I'm still like, I just, you know, whatever, right? I, at this point, I, you know, well, people in the community like the mural. The school loves the mural, right? So, you know, everyone's loving the mural. Like the school loves it. The people in this HOA love it. The kids coming from the college love it. You know, I, there's nothing to hate about it. It's beautiful. Like I said, it's the most benign design I've ever created, <laughs> And is the most positive message. The content is so positive. You're bringing color to a gray brick wall. It's, it's facing youth and kids and elementary school and a college. And it's promoting healthy living. It, it's supported by U.S. taxpayer dollars. It's mandated oh, by, the, by the federal government. I mean, there's nothing but positive energy coming from this thing. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Oh, I forgot to mention one thing. So this one guy drives up one day. And he drives up and he says, by the way, you guys got paint on my car. <laughs> and I said, how did we get paint on your car? He's like, well, I was parked down the street over here behind. I'm like, you're behind the wall. He's like, yeah, well, I don't know what happened, but there's paint on my car. And he shows us like some flakes on the side of his car, which it's odd that only his car got it. <laughs> like the 20 cars between the wall and him had nothing on their car. But anyways, he kept telling us that we got paint on his car. But, so I ended up just paying for his detail. I'm like, dude, go get your car detailed. 
here's a hundred bucks. So that was another thing we dealt with. So anyways, we're done with the mural. It's all in the past. Now it's just up for 30 days. And then the community will make a decision whether they want the mural up or not. And then I'll either go back with my painters and either paint it over or leave it, you know? And I'm thinking they're going to leave it because people are digging it now. All right, cool. So I think everything's over and done with, and I'm so happy. And I'm already starting to move on to my next project. And about the 20th day into the project, we still have 10 more days to go. I get a call from the agency with the CDC and they say, hey, you know, the, the mural was beautiful. We loved it. We got everything we needed from it. We got great promotion. We got great news coverage, media coverage. It was great. Let's just take it down early. We already got what we needed. And then I said, what are you talking about? We said 30 days and you still have another 10 days to go. And they're like, yeah, but this woman from that other community had her lawyer call us and they're going to sue the CDC for this project. <laughs> and so the CDC wants nothing to do with it. And they just said, let's just take it down. And I could not believe it. I was like, you mean one freaking racist lady up on the hill has enough clout to call a federal agency to remove a temporary mural that's going to be up for only 10 more days just because she's some wealthy freaking racist, you know, whatever. I could not believe it. I was like, you got to be shitting me. And they're like, we just don't want, it's been so positive, the press we've gotten, and we just don't want anything to tarnish that. And we just want this thing to go away, this lady go, to go away. So let's just paint over it. And I was like, okay, well, I got paid. I'm good. I got the photos. I guess let's paint over it. You know, like, fuck it, right? Like, finally, the nightmare is completely over because I'm going to go paint it back. <laughs> So I go back with my paint crew a couple of days later and we show up and we start painting the mural and the old man from our HOA comes over and he says, I'm sorry, it was such a nightmare. And I just, you know, apologize. I go, no, you had nothing to do with it. And, you know, thank you for letting us do this. And, you know, we appreciate you backing us up and, you know, it's too bad that these people are so racist and everything. And now we got to take everything down, you know, 10 days early, but Whatever. It is what it is. So he's like, well, it's cool. You know, thank you. And blah, blah. He walks away. I turn around and there's a car full of these people, including that one dude and the woman who was suing the, who was, who was threatening to sue the CDC. They're behind us in a car and they're applauding and cheering as we're taking the mural down. <laughs> and I look at them and I just start waving. <laughs> and I said, oh, hey, thank you. I'm glad you guys like it. And they're flipping us off and all this kind of stuff. And we just proceeded to take it down. We took the whole mural down. And we finished. And the way the story ends is as we're walking away, my good friend, Vile, who you know, Vile Style. Vile Style. Shout out, Vile. He goes, he goes, comes up to me and he goes, and he's a really, really, really serious face. And he says, you know, I know we've been friends for a long time and everything, but I'm just giving you a heads up that I'm suing you, by the way. I'm suing you on this project. And I said, I said, what are you talking about? What are you going to sue me? And he goes, yeah, I'm going to sue you for PTSD. Because every time I see an old white lady now, I have a nervous breakdown. <laughs> and it's all your fault because you brought me on this project. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, so that's uh, that's how the nightmare ended. Nightmare ended on that wow, note. Wow, <laughs> man! Jesus, it was just—it was one of those. To this day, I just cannot believe that you know <laughs> that happened. This is white privilege in action, right? Like this is like the epitome. Yeah, when you think the world is fair, and you're growing up in a democratic America, and you're living in California, and this happens. You're like, what the fuck? But yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those situations where now when I have a project and they ask me, find them a wall and do it, I just go to the hood. I go to the hood and I find walls because the people in the hood, they love you. 
They love you for paying attention to them. They love you for bringing murals and art. They feed you. They come out and give you drinks and food and invite you to their barbecues. And so, like, I'm doing that all day now. Like, they embrace you. You get embraced by that community. Yeah. So, you know, I'm never going to be doing it in these rich white areas anymore because this is like, are you freaking kidding me? You know? But yeah, that's my nightmare story. My horror story. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So my two grandmothers were old white ladies. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. hope they weren't a part of that. <laughs> Thank goodness they live uh, somewhere else. Wow. <laughs> what a, I mean, racism, it's such a creative thing. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, people think. who hate, people who are filled with hate, haters, race, racists, bigots. I mean, they're incredibly creative, industrious, productive people when it comes to shutting shit down. Wow. And petty. And Super petty. petty. Just so, <laughs> I mean, there's, wow, it's such a gut-wrenching story. I mean, they have so much hate in their heart that they don't even, they can't see past their self-interest for the health and well-being of, of the youth. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck the youth. Fuck Asians. Fuck Latinos. Fuck Mexico. Fuck your gallery. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> if it ain't in these walls where we live, fuck you. <laughs> That's pretty much the, the way they live their life. Well, here, I think I found the silver lining in this story, man. One. Oh, what is it? Because I still haven't found it. Well, because I'm doing the math here. And if my math is right, based on the dates and the years, and I'm just doing the basic math here, I think the good news is that by my calculations, most of those people are now dead. So (laughs) (laughs) that's right. That's right. They are. That's right. Oh, man. That story just keeps getting worse and worse. And it does not have a happy ending at all. Yeah, at all, at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least I got paid. So there's that. Well, there is that. But I mean, the money, I mean, you know, it's like, yeah, okay, that's the solace that, you know, I guess the consolation prize you got paid. But but the fact that this is one of those, you know, it is amazing, right? How art becomes, you know, I mean, taking just the race out of it for just a minute, you know, because I'm guessing there are stories that white artists have that are similar, right? Where they're trying to put up art in a community or something and the community doesn't like it for some reason. It's the wrong color. You know, they don't like the subject matter, whatever it is. It is amazing to me, the power of art to bring people together, but also to divide people because for whatever reason, we haven't taught art appreciation enough or people haven't learned to appreciate the role and the power and the value of art in a community and for a civil society and for a healthy democracy. And that's, you know, I guess this is all kind of rooted in ignorance, but, but then, you know, you layer in the bigotry and the, in the xenophobia and the racism. I mean, Hey man, this is a pure, true American tale. <laughs> this is the truest <laughs> American story. I guess your point, maybe I should go find out where they're buried and just go, you know, tag the tombstones <laughs> with love just man one yeah 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 just just piss on the piss on them a little bit yeah 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 just <laughs> piss on the piss on their graves we get the last laugh of course we <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't wow man i mean how sad right i mean how sad i mean no good deed goes unpunished right you're trying to do good the government's trying to do good the agency's trying to do good they bring you in to do good everybody's heart's in the right place. But when people's hearts are closed, when their minds are closed, when they're afraid, because that's really what it is, right? On some level, it's just all fear, right? It's fear and ignorance. And it is ultimately a horror story for them, right? Because their heart is closed, their mind is closed, and it's tragic. And in our country, our communities would, you know, obviously be so much better if People were not afraid and we're not ignorant and we just have to deal with, you know, and hopefully, hopefully, you know, it's a, it's a generational issue, right? Like as we continue to tell these stories and talk about this stuff, hopefully people's hearts and minds open up because, you know, at the end of the day, it's not at all about the art. It's about them, right? On some level and how they're broken, really. Well, hopefully the kids who experienced that project and saw it for 20 days, 
Hopefully it impacted them in a positive way. By the way, I have it on good authority that all the kids that did see the mural are living happy, healthy lives right now. Active, running, swimming, skateboarding. They're married in biracial relationships. That's right. With Asian partners. <laughs> the adopted Asian kids, by the way, I heard. Yeah, right. And <laughs> and sadly, though, all the kids that walked by after the mural was buffed, they've all developed obesity and heart disease. So. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. The message needed to live longer. <laughs> oh my gosh, man! What so, yeah. I mean, so what did you learn from that as an artist? You know, and you've done so many murals, and you've worked with government, the federal government, multiple times. You've, you know, you you've had so many successful mural productions, and obviously, this probably isn't the only story you have that is horrific when it comes to trying to do something good for the community. I could personally think of a couple of stories myself. I've known you long enough, but what did you learn? How did you adjust? I mean, after this, was there anything you did differently? Because I mean, when I'm hearing the story, like I feel like you did everything right. I feel like there's nothing you could have done differently to make the situation better, but perhaps you did moving forward, maybe maybe you did do something different or you learned something that made it better for you in the future. Well, I mean, the first thing it did, obviously, was just open my eyes, just not to be so naive about coming into a community and thinking that people are going to be on board just because it's a positive message. I kept looking at this project and just thinking... It's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. There's no way this could be, this could be, there could be anything wrong with it. So that's the first thing I learned was like, hey... Anything could go wrong with any project for any reason. And so, so just like always be on your toes and always be ready for the unexpected because that's what ends up happening. Uh, and it's not in this type of manner, but like it's in this project, but in other murals and other projects, things do go sideways all the time for different reasons. Things that are out of your control, 100%. And so that's the thing as an artist, especially an artist in the community, when I'm doing murals and things like that, is that. I just always have to be aware that there's something that I'm not aware of, right? There's like the unknown. There's something that I'm not seeing, but I just got to keep my ears and eyes open so that when it shows up, I can address it, whatever it may be. You know, it could be something terrible like this, or it could just be some logistical issue, but things never go perfect on projects. So don't expect it. Just always prepare for the worst. Yeah. Plan for the worst, hope for the best, right? You know, it's like, don't do the opposite. Don't plan for the best. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that, that was, that was my biggest takeaway. Yeah. Well, and that's really interesting because I've watched you do community murals over the years. And one of the things I've always been impressed with is, and you know, you would probably do this anyway. And I, you know, some of it's mandated. I mean, you're just playing by the rules, but the fact that you go into the community and do your best to bring them into the project, educate them, get them to feeling a sense of ownership, feeling a sense of participation, you know, to lean into it, you know, not that it always worked, but man, oh man, I, 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 you know, I could see how your wide-eyed, romantic, naive idealism, you know, like, oh, this is going to be, this is a no brainer. This is going to be great. And, and then of course, you know, you realize, <laughs> oh, wait a minute, I'm dealing with human beings who can be racist assholes especially in gated communities. <laughs> By the way, I think it's a statistical fact that the majority of racists live in gated communities. <laughs> I, think so. I, I think hate so. to say it. Oh, my God. Oh, my yep. God. Or they're in the swamps of Florida. I don't know. Well, man, one, I'll tell you what, I'm so grateful that you took time out of your busy schedule to come and share your Art World Horror Story. One of many, I'm sure. Maybe we'll have you come back next year to share another one. But <laughs> this is, you know, part of our our Halloween seasonal programming here in the month of October, having artists come and share these Art World Horror Stories. But I'll tell you what, I think this one has so many levels to it. <laughs> This has so many dimensions to it that I think there's a lot of meat on this bone, so to speak, for for our audience and the artists listening to learn a lot from this, if nothing else, just to plan for the worst, hope for the best, go in eyes wide open, expect the unexpected, because unbelievably, art has the power to both unite and divide. That's right. It's like walking into a haunted mansion. Just be on the lookout, be ready. <laughs> Watch your back. Watch your back. <laughs> there might Keep be a racist behind you. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh my God. Oh my God. What about a haunted house that's just filled with races and, and races and you walk through it and they just yell racist slurs at you? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh yeah. my God. You know who would really scare if we did that? It'd really scare white people. <laughs> really? <No. laughs> exactly. Because I think if, if I walked through, people started calling me, you know, this and that. I'd be like, yeah, I heard that. Yeah, I right, that. right, right. White people, man, oh, my <laughs> God. Oh, my <laughs> God. He called, what did he call you? People are so mean. <laughs> how can people it, be so mean? They would freak out. They'd have no <laughs> yeah. idea how to handle it. Yeah, white people do not deal with persecution very well at all. <laughs> they do not deal with adversity well at all. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, that's yeah. the downside of white privilege. You're just not seasoned. You know, you you <laughs> you don't have any you don't have any resilience. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, oh man. Oh, well, it. That was it, man. That's my story. Oh man. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, man one, thank you. Thank you for coming in and telling and sharing this story, this horrific story. And I know our audience is gonna learn a lot from it. And Good luck on your next mural, my friend, and watch your back. Plan for the worst, hope for the best. 100%. <laughs> That's it. So Halloween's coming up. Do you have any uh, Halloween plans? Are we celebrating in any particular way? No, no. We're deciding if we're going to spooky up the house or not. Usually we do, but I don't know. This year, there's a lot going on, so we may or may not. But anyways, in either case... We'll be giving treats at the door. Okay, good. Trick or treats? Yeah. Mostly treats. treats. Good. Mostly treats. Good, good. <laughs> With Halloween coming up, I always like to I get excited because I, I always like to, there's a performance art demonstration that I always do every Halloween and I look forward to doing it. It's a tradition of mine. I go to a grocery store, I get a big bag of apples and a big box of razor blades and I walk up to the <laughs> cashier and I just set them down and just love to look at the face of the uh, cashier. She's <laughs> trying to figure out what's going on. How many times have you been arrested for that? <laughs> I'll never tell. Well, I'm I'm white, so I'm able to talk my way out of it. White privilege, yeah. Yeah, the white privilege strikes again. Well, my <laughs> friend, as always, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming through. And we know how busy you are, so we'll let you get back to art making. I'm sure you have multiple deadlines happening as usual. So thanks for coming through. All right, brother. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Not Real Art Podcast. Please make sure to like this episode, write a review, and share with your friends on social. Also, remember to subscribe so you get all of our new episodes. Not Real Art is produced by Crew West Studios in Los Angeles. Our theme music was created by Ricky Peugeot and Desi Deloro from the band Parlor Social. Not Real Art is created by We Edit Podcast and hosted by Captivate. Thanks again for listening to Not Real Art. We'll be back soon with another inspiring episode celebrating creative culture and the artists who make it.